Welcome everyone. Today we have David Ditchfield and we're covering one of my favorite subjects, life after life. <laughs> David was dragged under a speeding train and while he was being recovered by surgeons, he had an amazing life after or a, a near death experience. And he came back with some vivid memories of what it was like on the other side. And he also came back with some amazing abilities to paint and create classical music that he didn't have before this event. David has also been featured in Ray, Dr. Raymond Moody's blog, um, and he wrote the most famous book, which I read, Life After Life. So it's a pretty incredible experience and we're gonna hear it from David today. So David, let's start out. Um, I, want, I want you to share what it was like that day when this happened to you, but how did it change your life? Just a little bit of before and after, how it affected you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, it changed my life in as much as uh, I got a completely different perspective I would say that my perspective was very sort of linear. You know, I, I was, it was all on the surface. I didn't really have any spiritual beliefs or, or anything. You know? And uh, anything that went wrong in my life, I always looked for the quick fix, you know, uh, which in my case was going to the nearest bar and <laughs> with my friends and just having a drink, you know. Um, also, I was struggling to get by in life. I, I, I was living in London uh, just before the accident and... Uh, uh, like all capital cities, it's very competitive and, and very expensive. Uh, and I was really only picking up work, doing uh, working on construction sites, doing uh, manual labouring. Uh, and I struggled with that. I wasn't very good at that kind of work, to be honest with you. So, yeah, so the gears were always grinding in my life. Um, so the day of the accident itself, I was actually in Cambridge at the time because I... I gone to stay with my sister there because uh, I, well, I, I was broke basically, I've got no money left and she said come stay with us. I'd met a friend just a, a few weeks prior to this and we just connected and uh, we got on really good and she came up to stay with me and it was her that I was seeing off at the station and as I helped her on with her bags on to, onto the train uh, a car I would just I was giving her a hug, uh, saying goodbye and giving her a kiss and then the automatic doors closed and my coat got trapped uh, well inside there it was wedged in there and i couldn't pull it free it was a cold uh, february day and it was so it's a very thick quality sheepskin coat it wasn't going to come out um i just looked around for a guard and there wasn't one on the on the actual train platform itself in fact there was only one other guy who'd been seeing off his girlfriend and he shouted at me he said take your coat off mate you know take it off but i knew that i wasn't going to get it off um, because of the thickness of it um so the train engine started to rev up and the fear that started to go through me was quite immense because I was looking into the eyes of, of my friend Anna who I was seeing off and I just saw terror in her eyes and as soon as I saw that look I just figured at that point this is the moment I'm going to die. And uh, it pulled out the station at tremendous speed the train itself and I just felt every gear shift. Then I got pulled onto my feet and I was dragged along the platform edge itself and then between the space of the platform and the actual speeding train, which I don't know how that happened because it's a very, very tiny space, but the, the sheer pull of it, I had no choice but to go down there. Um, 
so it was like really going from that moment into like being thrown into the gates of hell you know it was in straight into darkness and and being thrown around relentlessly and uh it was like i felt like it was i felt like it was just me flesh and bones bones fighting for life against this huge beast of a mechanical machine if you like and uh i was determined not to not to die i just turned determined to live and i just was conscious throughout the whole ordeal and uh it was very violent very very terrifying and then i suddenly found myself thrown to the ground as the train continued on and i just kept my face down into the gravel and i just thought it's not over yet you know i could get hit by some of the undercarriage and uh it's it's incredible because my mind had time to think this through and to process what was happening it was like my mind had stretched it wasn't slow motion but i had time to really calculate all this and i thought to myself think think of all the the, the uh, 007 james bond movies you've seen indiana jones what would they do now yeah they keep right down so that's what i did so i kept my head down then the train finally moved on and um disappeared off down the track so yeah <laughs> it was it all happened very fast and it was all very it was like wow <laughs> I'm alive, an incredible feeling. Yeah, but you must have had some life-threatening injuries. Yeah, I did do, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I was I was torn about it pretty bad. I mean, my left arm got severed uh, in, in this because, you know, I was just, it was just, I, I got tangled in the machinery and just thrown around at great speed. So, yeah, that was the first thing I'd noticed, that my arm was ripped right open and my it would have been severed. And so I, I lost an awful lot of blood, which was really the, the main threat to my to my life, uh, you know, was that blood loss. Yeah. But the emergency guys arrived really quick, so I was, so that saved me really because there was a small hospital just around the corner. So they were there in minutes actually and got me into an ambulance, and uh, we sped off down the motorway at great speed. We went to another hospital. The, guy, the doctor said to me, "Look, there's a hospital around the corner, but the one that's going to save you is a 20 minute drive. Can you hang on?" And I was going, yeah. So he just kept saying to me, you know, stay with me, stay with me, David. You know, so I did. <laughs> Incredible. And to have landed right between the tracks was miraculous, really. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, the odds of the odds of me surviving were just uh, uh, unbelievable. I mean, the the British Rail Police did like they took a whole year doing inquiries on the whole offence, you know, and they and they calculated everything like they stripped the carriage down to the last rivet of the doors, you know, and they said afterwards, we said, look, we bang in our heads together and we don't understand. You should be dead. You should not have survived that, you know. But I knew that something bigger than both me and that train saved me that day. Something with a, with a higher force and power that was right behind me and determined to keep me going. And you've done such beautiful things after coming back. So how, how long was it from the time you, you know, you're, coat got caught in the door to the time that the ambulance arrived it can't have been that long no it wasn't um the, the it's it's interesting because I, the rail police managed to calculate everything and because uh, they got all cctv footage and stuff and and i asked them i said how long did it take from the moment i got caught and they pulled out the station he said 13 and a half seconds and i couldn't believe how fast that was because it felt like minutes to me because like i said earlier it's like i was given this 35 millimeter camera and i was able to take everything in but um yeah so they arrived literally within minutes because i was quite shocked because i remember lying there on on the track and i was look i'd seen my arm ripped open and funny enough i didn't freak out when i saw that i just i actually saw all the workings within my arm 
And I remember thinking, wow, that's amazing. That's me. That's the inside of my body, like I've never seen, you know. And so, and it, it was at that point, pretty much, well, actually, no, I tell a lie. I tried to get my cell phone out of my pocket to, to phone my sister to alert her and say, look, can you phone an ambulance? <laughs> Yeah, I don't because I knew no one else was around, you know. And uh, obviously the phone was smashed, and uh, but it was at that point that they came jumping down on the track and started cutting through my clothes. And, yeah. yeah. So did you feel pain at that time, or was it pretty surreal? A bit of both, to be honest with you. I did feel a, a, an immense amount of pain because it, it was just, it, yeah, a terrific amount. But but there was a there was a sense of. Um, you know, adrenaline also, was a, there was a huge ad adrenaline sort of thing for, from when it, the, the actual moment it happens, you know, that kind of also kind of helps you in a sense, you know what I mean? I, I remember when I was a small kid at school, I remember being in a fight in the playground at school and I remember I'd never got into fights before and this young kid, he like punched me in the face and it really hurt. And then the second one, I didn't feel it so much and so I, I kind of figured it was a bit like that, that, that you kind of get almost not used to it but there's just it's like there's something about human nature anesthetizes it to a certain extent but, but it, yeah but it was pretty gruesome pain all, all in all yeah yeah and your arm was severed which must have been just incredibly yeah <laughs> okay well i'm gonna pass this to carl to hear more of your experience and see what questions he has hi david hi hi carl um, yeah, so I was just, um, you were explaining that uh, um, incredible event, but uh, it seems that you were aware all the time through it. And so as I was expecting you to describe um, this kind of state where you'd see a light at the end of the tunnel, um, did that sort of thing happen? Or, or was it just that you were aware of this horrendous thing that happens, this event, all the time. You seem to be phenomenally mentally alert. And so I was wondering what state of consciousness or did it change during the whole thing? Well, it, it all changed when I got to the hospital. Um, I had a near-death experience when I got into the uh, emergency department. They got me in the A&E, as we call it here. And all the doctors were like frantically trying to save me. You know, I could hear all this science going over my head. And I thought, what are they talking about? But they sounded worried, you know. And, uh, and my family had arrived as well. They got there really quick. And, uh, you know, they were, my mother was in tears talking to me, I remember. And, uh, and uh, it was pretty much around that time that uh, I, I went from that, all that franticness and all that fear. Because I just thought, it's not over yet. I thought, I, I wasn't sh sure that I was going to make it, that, I suddenly left my body and I went into what I would call a, another realm altogether. You know, I left all the, the frantic sort of intensity of that hospital and I was now in, in a peaceful place. And I was, it, I was in what appeared to be like a, a darkened space. And I figured straight away that I, that I, I was dead. I thought, this is it. I didn't make it. I, I'm, I'm dead. And I didn't fight it or resist it. I know some people do. I've, I've since, you know, been talking to other people. And but for me, that wasn't the case. It's not. I, it's not like I wanted to die. But it was just such a, a blessing to suddenly go away from everything and just feel calm. Um. So I looked around and I, I, I was kind of greeted, if you like, by these beautiful colours. Like there were orbs that were like sort of slow, slowly pulsating all around me, and that made me feel calm straight away. 
and I tried to assess the situation as you would do. And I looked around and I realized that I was like no longer wearing any clothes, but I was just covered in like this blue satin sheet so that was which was very comforting. And um and I was laid on like this huge kind of like stone rock, like a slate rock, uh, like a medieval altar uh, is the best way I always describe it. And um, but it felt very comfortable, uh, despite the fact I was not wearing a shirt or anything. And so I just laid back onto this rock, and I just as I did, I looked up, and then the three grids of white light suddenly closed in on me, like symmetrical grids, and I couldn't take my gaze out of the light. And that light just um. Because I, I felt it was more than just light. It was like I felt that it was healing me. It was doing me good. Um, and then I felt the presence of somebody near. And I felt that there was a, a, a person stood near me. And there was. I looked at my feet and there was like somebody almost greeting me, if you like, an androgynous being um, with this pure white sort of blonde hair with skin that was glowing light from within and wearing a very simple contemporary black T-shirt. And I just felt that I'd known this person, uh, you know, throughout the whole of my life and beyond. You know, there was this, there was this knowing, there was a connection. And I said, "Who are you? I know you, don't I?" And uh, he or she just kept staring back at me with this, like, almost like a knowing smile, a comforting smile, and, and didn't answer me. And um, but that was fine. I just laid back my head and felt guarded. I felt that I was being protected. And. Um, a little later on, I felt the presence of two more people at a right. Well, I felt the presence of people. Uh, and I opened my eyes, and there were two fem female forms either side of me. And there was a young lady to my, my right um, who was uh, just wearing, again, a very simple brown dress with long brown hair. And uh, the girl to my left was more uh, Asian Indian, American Indian appearance, and uh, she was wearing a more traditional dress. And they had their hands just slowly hovering over my body uh, as if to send energy of love. It felt like that was coming from them. It was radiating over my body and healing me, healing the trauma that I'd just been through. But I sensed that it was also more than that. I felt like they were healing all the wounds, uh, the emotional wounds that I carried throughout my life that we all do, you know. And um, so, yeah, so it was a very beautiful um, moment. To, to be to be feeling all that and uh the actual tunnel of white light that you asked me about that i didn't actually see that till the very end of the near-death experience itself that was um that was the most profound moment because uh, this energy of love and, and healing that i was talking about coming from the hands and, and the light grids was suddenly intensified it was like turned up like a big dial had been turned up and and every single molecule in my body was vibrating with this love. And I looked, and uh, beyond my feet, I could see this huge tunnel of white light, and it was just closing in on me. And uh, the tunnel of white light was just, like, it was awesome and, and very frightening to look at because it was got all these kind of flames that were slowly rotating around, very powerful flames. But um, I didn't feel any fear at all because... There was no sense of those kind of emotions in this realm at all, you know, and uh, I just felt nothing but excitement. And I knew at this moment in time that what I was staring at was the source of all creation. In fact, that's what I was being told through telepathy, that this was, this was, you know, God, if you like, or whatever faith you may have, this is, this is the creator. This is, a, it's not, you know, like most uh, gods that we all uh, tend to worship, 
uh, carries some kind of form in hu uh, human form. Um, whereas this was a tunnel of white light, and this was it. This is where it all comes from. But the energy was just so profound. It was brilliant. And uh, yeah, so that was the, that's when. So I did see it there, Carl. Yeah, so that's what I yeah, saw. Yeah, no, that's uh, it, it's so vivid in what you describe, and 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 some of the things are. are from what I understand, are shared by other people who've experienced um, uh, this after afterlife state. My question, I have another question is, do you think um, the point of change in your life of this event, do you think it was due to the actions of those healers in that state who were laying hands on you, or was it the whole experience is, is excelled? itself or is it unfair to separate the two or yeah no no it's, that that's a great question because um it's i do separate the two because because the healers were very much a part of it because i felt that the, as i said earlier they were they were really they were healing the essence of my soul they were healing all the emotional baggage that i'd carried throughout my life and i carried a lot i used to I used to be very carry a lot of guilt and shame because I felt like I'd messed up in my life a lot. So all that was being kind of peeled off me bit by bit. But um, ultimately, I would say that the whole experience itself um, changed my life because for the first time, I was in, in the moment, if you like. I was just in the present moment, and I didn't care about past mistakes anymore. And I wasn't concerned about fears about the future or anything. And so I brought that back with me. But also the essence of pure love was really important as well. I, I'd got no self-love before. So I came back with a lot of self-love and, and then that gave me self-belief and and then things follow on from that. So, yeah. So was, was this change like instantaneous or was it a gradual progression afterwards? Was it like, you know, you woke up afterwards and you were different or was it took a few days, or did it take a longer period? Uh, well, when I first came back, I would say that yeah, I, I'd instantaneously I'd, I'd felt completely different. I mean, when I first came back to my body, you know, everyone says to me, "Oh, you must have been disappointed." And in fact, I wasn't because I was just so charged with all this beautiful knowledge and love and energy that I just went, I thought, "How am I going to tell the world about this and tell people about it?" Because it's just so tremendous. And what is my mission? Why have they sent me back? So that's all I could think when I was recovering in hospital. But throughout my stay in hospital, you know, my family and friends would come and visit me. And they used to, they they all commented. They didn't know what had happened, but they all commented that that they'd seen a change in me. They were going, "You look so animated. You know, you just you just I've never seen you like this before. You look incredible. You know, I was expecting to see you know far worse and stuff. So yeah, but. In saying that, in, in, interesting enough, six months later, I I I came, I I crashed down emotionally because I think what happened was I came back with all this love, and I and all I could feel was like, yeah, I just want to give love to the world and stuff. But of course, the reality is that society is not geared up for that, and I wasn't geared up for the fact that you know it wasn't going to happen. So I I had to readjust myself to think, ah, you know, it's not feasible just to come back thinking that you're suddenly a changed person, that you that, that life is gonna suddenly be great, you know. I had to adjust, yeah. Yeah, so there was a there was a a noticeable change at the beginning, but I guess as I, I as having asked the question, I was thinking <clears throat> this experience has allowed you to touch something. Yeah. That ever since you've touched it, you you now still do continually. That's right. Uh, maybe yeah. periodically and doing that 
that's having a continual transformative effect. Most certainly, uh, yeah. So it's probably instantaneous as well as a gradual, continual, ongoing process. Um, the change due to this experience. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, I mean, basically, what it is is I, I, for the first time in my life, I got in touch with my higher consciousness, you know, and that's really the, what what it's all the core of it. I, I feel, yeah. Would you would you would you associate things like with God or with the higher consciousness, or would you would those be kind of in in your philosophy somehow coupled together at a deeper level? Um, yeah, it's coupled together at a deeper level. I would say, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not just a question of God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can ask all kinds of questions here, but um, you know, yeah. I'm just kind of someone having that experience. Uh, uh, I, I'm just trying to fathom that. I guess, I guess we all have little experiences in our life, um, you know. So I suppose we can relate to a change in our lives, but something like this uh, is is. Um, I'm not sure if I can make that extension uh, from my own experience. Uh, you know what it was like because you have you have such a vivid memory of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because I was scared I was going to forget it all <laughs> right at the beginning, but I never have, you know, because right. And and all these great deep kind of connections. There's no fear, and a sense of trust, and uh, uh, you know, and to have a great memory of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, the interesting thing is as well because I've worked with it since you know, like through my art, my you know, and then my music. And and now with, with, with I I bought a book out last year, so that meant that I've been talking a lot about it, and so the energy is kind of slowly, constantly sort of opening up for me, and uh, I feel that the connection to that realm is still very strong, and I'm still learning. You know, I'm still getting information just coming through to myself. You know, as I speak, you know, I'm just kind of like so. It's 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 great. So it's it's, it's a wonderful process just to keep moving forward with it because uh, it's it's just a it's it's so it always feels like it's, you know there's never been points in my life where I've I've stopped thinking about it or it's become you know it's kind of faded out of my view if you like for me it's always been a, a very central part you know of of my journey and I, I'm sure it will remain to be that way and, and I know it has been for an awful lot of other people I've spoken to who've had NDEs you know it's 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 a very profound moment. Because it's it's uh, it's not like a dream state either. It's 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 like I describe it to people as being ultra real. You know, it's just it's a it's a different realm, but it's as it's as real as we're all sat here talking now. Fantastic. Um, I suppose um, fear is probably the big thing that changed. Do you do, do you have a fear of death? Or is no, that lessons? Or... Yeah, I I don't have a fear of death at all, actually. You know, because you know, I I realise now that the uh, that the soul is too far greater an entity just to suddenly switch off. You know, once we die, yeah, the, the body doesn't and slowly decays, um, but the the soul continues on. You know, because when I was in that realm itself. As I say, it was the it was me, but it was the pure essence of my soul that was in that space. So I know for sure that that's what happens. And and not only that, it also helps me. I, I lost my mother eighteen months ago, and uh, as as hard as it was like for all of us, you know, losing her, um, it it was made a lot easier for me because I knew 
immediately where she was going. You know, I knew that she was going to be going straight to this beautiful place, and that made me happy. You know, just to know that. So it's a, it's a great comfort. Would you would you you would you would classify this whole thing as a gift? Um. I, well, yeah, it, it, it certainly is a gift. Yeah, for me, a personal gift. Um, but it's, um, I, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know why it happened to me. I, I mean, I mean, the only thing that I can think of is that I wouldn't call it a wake up call, but it, in my life, just reached a point where it could go no lower. You know, I was broke. I'd lost my flat. I'd lost my apartment, and I'd lost my job. You know, and I was drinking heavily, and. and I just didn't need to be in that state because I wasn't that kind of person. I was a, well, that's wrong to say that kind of person. Nobody deserves to be in that state. But I mean, I, w I was really wanted to work hard, but I just wasn't getting it. Nothing was going right for me. And so I felt like the whole thing gave me an opportunity to restart my life and reevaluate it and discover, you know, the true um, authentic me and, and be confident to do, to become creative. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can keep going with the questions, but I have my yeah, colleagues here, um, <laughs> so um, I'll pass you on to uh, um, Steve. Hey, David, welcome! Thank you for being Steve. here. Incredible Thank you. story. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. I have all sorts of ideas about, you know. Um, possibly what it, why, what the meaning of life is and why we're here. But when you were over there, did you have any sense of um, a life review or reincarnation or any information like that? I didn't read your book, so I'm just sort of I asking you cold. Sure. Um, I didn't actually have a life review. I know that um, various people do have life reviews when they have uh, NDEs. Um, um, I guess, in all fairness, when, occasions that I've read about people having uh, life reviews, it's, it tends to be because, you know, they may have gone through life uh, sort of, you know, making other people's lives hard, you know, <laughs> you know, in terms of war and stuff like that, and they may, they may have killed people or what have you, so they have a life review. Um, whereas, for me, that wasn't the case. I think that my life review was... was um, I was the only person. I'm no, I'm no saint. I'm not trying to say that I was I was this wonderful person to everybody. But I figure really that the one person that I was being beating up throughout my whole life was myself because I was. And so, I the lessons that I learned there were 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 to be loved and that, that I am loved. And um, and that was a really powerful lesson. So I I kind of figure that that's. For me, they didn't need to take it any further than that because I was getting the answers straight away. I suddenly realized, you know, that while I was in that space and in the moment, that I'm okay, I'm all right, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a failure, I'm not a mess. And uh, so, and in terms of reincarnation, um, things like that, they, they as I, as I was saying earlier to Carl, you know, I, I'm continually learning. I feel like I'm still getting information through since I've come back and and. That question has been quite big, and I, I do actually feel that yes, that re that we do re get reincarnated because I, I, there's no sense. As I said, that for me, I, that's one thing I learned when I was there that the the, the soul lives on. So if the, if all our souls live on, if, even down to the 
so that a small fly has a soul, you know, everything. And so there's no space for everything just to suddenly hang out in that realm. So, they, so I do feel, yes, that that happens at reincarnation is, is, a, is most certainly the case and people come back and get reincarnated, yeah. Oh, sorry, I've lost you. I was I was cracking a joke. I said you really uh, went out of your way to get your right brain functioning, and you know to get to your creative side. But um, <laughs> uh, I guess if you'd put it in terms of religion, or you know, if for me, I'm not religious, but I always mm. seem to say, um, it, would you say there's any truth to the notion that maybe even Jesus was saying when he was saying, "Look within," or know thyself it was sort of know that fearless uh unjudging self and yeah. in a sense is there was part of that message or is part of the game here to wake up to that so that we can actually kind of get out of here that we could you know self-actualize and and uh you know i guess become in you know interstellar or uh, you know not be in a body anymore we've learned our lessons so is is maybe part of the message for the average human or or you know is, is part of the game here to wake up to our true infinite self within yeah. that's within our soul self that's infinite and eternal and you know to sort of get out of here in a sense get out of this matrix oh well most certainly yeah i think that um you know it's you don't have to have a near-death experience or a, a, a train accident like mine to, to get in touch with your you know in a body you know we can all do it and i think it's something that a great lesson we could all take because once you start doing it i mean i, I practice it all the time I can, you know i go to spiritual healing i have i do i do lots of meditation um just to do that just to keep myself grounded and i just feel that i just i'd look around and i just think i wish more we, we could all do that more you know because far too many of us uh, are too sort of distracted you know where we're too we're too sort of thinking, oh, you know, I've got to get up, I've got to, I've got to get a career, I've got to get a, I've got to buy a house, I've got to buy a car, you know, and all these different things that, which are, yeah, they're essential, but, but people tend to lose the, 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 the kind of real, most important thing is to sort of, is to be authentic, really, just to be authentic to yourself, and and once you find that authenticity that life can become more simple. It's, so many people say, oh, I, I simply haven't got time. I, my, my life's too busy, which is, which is not true at all because we can find that time. It's just that's it, madness. You know, people can find time to sit down and watch their, their favorite TV program for half an hour or an hour and stuff. So, they, you know, so, but not yeah. just that, you know, it's just, like, it's just like if you think about it, the, a, a good analogy is like when you're in a car and when you get stopped at the traffic lights, you know, and the, and the light goes to red there's two ways you could approach it you could either go oh man the light's on red i'm going to be late for my appointment you know or you could turn around and say okay the light's on red i'm just going to stop now and i'm just going to look around and 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 chill and just go with him in my, into my inner body and just relax and just maybe just have a look around and see what's happening in the trees and what's the birds just for that moment in time because it's really not going to make that much difference if you're late for a meeting whether you're going to be held up by one minute more you know so that's the way i see it you know yeah. i gotcha yeah i mean if we could say that everything you know love the imperfect that's sort of what i say because yes. i'm so busy trying to be perfect that you know or get everything right that being wrong is probably the the goal in a sense like you know get it wrong 
you know, yeah, let exactly. it be laid. I mean, uh, but um, I guess sort of on the same thing, uh, if at a higher level there's sort of nothing but love and understanding, um, and perhaps everything we are concerned with down here fades away, not, almost probably anything we're physically concerned with uh, these things are of, of uh, no consequence on the other side. Like you didn't screw up. You weren't a failure. Uh, you know, there, maybe those things don't even exist in that kind of uh, thinking. But in terms of people suffering here, or let's say some of the subjects we cover are quite dark. And let's just say someone is, um, has, uh, is a child and going through uh, torture, torment, uh, maybe being sex trafficked. Is what did you get any sense that this is a life that's chosen, or did you get any sense that at a higher level, when they pass, they there was a some sort of contract between their abuser and them, and it's all everything's in perfect, you know, divine, divine order, or you know, or you know, you can be on the other side and be pissed off, you know, what the hell were you doing to me down there, you know, yeah. I don't like, yeah. I'm sort of trying to see is everything forgiven, and, and if so, then. You might say, well, then, you know, we could do whatever we want here. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, I guess, I guess really, it's, 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 it's a real tough one that because, it, because, you know, I don't want to turn around and say that everyone should be forgiven for their sins and whatever whatever they do wrong, because that's simply not feasible and uh, and it's not doable. But um, it's it, for, for the people who who are like the child that you talked about, who's been sex trafficked and and has been tortured and stuff like that. There, there there is a way out. There is a future for them. You know, if if they can be given that love and, and not only that, if they can be nurtured into finding that self-worth and that self-love and that's literally what it's, it's all about. You know, it's just because until you've got that, until you've found it, then, then life is simply hopeless and, and then you'll, you will remain in that space if you like. And uh, you will, you will remain in that pain body and in that, in, in, in that energy field. So, um, yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm sorry if I'm not I'm not really That's answering. Fine. Well, we're all. That, I mean, in, in a sense, we're all co-creating, and we all have probably been darkness. Uh, the darkness that we despise. I, I've probably been many times in other lives. So, uh, I think there's. I think part of my question is, uh, is it is the goal to sort of you know have a sense of compassion and love for everyone, even the bad guys, and because we're all we're all just consciousness fractals co-creating and playing roles in a sense well basically the the goal is is to have a, a self self-love it's not so much just talking about having love for other people because that's not really what it's about for me i think it's all about gotcha. finding that self-love and uh, and um once you once you can find that self-love in yourself then you will be able to give love to others and then, then you will be, be able to forgive others and then you will find that you don't want to sort of uh you know destroy other people's lives you know that's that's pretty much what it's all about you know if you, you. yeah yeah that's amazing so the last question i'll ask in that thread is 
So what is the, it, what, did you get a sense of a, for, a force that is part of the ego that is always, you know, just sort of on us to maybe make us turn left when we should turn right or, you know, be hard on us or, you know, or not be, you know, uh, prevent us from loving ourselves or, you know, or that whatever that aspect of really being hard on ourselves for no reason, where does that come from? Is that, I mean, is that sort of like part of duality? It's it's necessary to have this physical experience. We need to have the love and the possibility. And we also need to have the, you know, the, 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 the obstacle and the, the guy whispering in your ear, you know, you idiot. And, you know, yeah, you should have yeah. done this. You should have done that. Well, it, it's, it starts with, 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 uh, conditioning really doesn't it it's it, it'll, it'll in many aspects it will start within the family you know like sibling rivalry and then when you get to the school playground it'll start with the kids who are who are bullied by their parents at home so they started bullying you in the in the playground and what so all it that's where it all starts and so we we're conditioned to sort of constantly be on guard and and uh and then so the ego really starts to kick in there and and then as we become adults the egos uh, train our minds to say that I'm, I'm going to protect you. You need me, which is totally untrue. We don't that we don't need the egoistic mind. You know, we that that is the part of our of our of our sort of selves that don't actually belong to us. They they are they are kind of fictional characters that we started to build for ourselves. You know, we turned ourselves we turned ourselves around and said, okay, so. I'm, I'm a successful guy working, you know, on Wall Street or whatever, and that's because I've done well. I've got a great car, you know. I've got a. There's nothing wrong with having a great car. There's nothing wrong with working on Wall Street. But what I'm trying to say is that that's the egoistic mind saying that's what that's me. That's my identity. Whereas, um, uh, you know, I'm talking about sort of stripping all that down and, and letting go of the egoistic mind and just uh, allowing uh, the the higher consciousness the the inner body to to actually come through because that is the pureness of us and that and once we get in touch with that that's when our lives start to become balanced and we and we start to enjoy it we start to embrace it you know gotcha well I'm just i'm going to pass you to Harmon, but what's the quickest way to to get to shut off the fear and get to your inner self that presence that eckhart tolle talks about yeah he does yeah absolutely um meditation i find is 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 a really great way to do it because if you can if you can meditate it's just really brilliant because it's a great way of just like you know, he's just shutting out all those different things like, oh, I better do this. Oh, I've got to do this. I've, I've, got, I've got to phone this guy or that guy. You just, all that goes. And then you just literally find that eventually, uh, the more meditation you do, the more you get in touch with that, that, your, that authentic, real you. That's the core of your soul. So, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Just really awesome. So maybe Very I'll nice. get another go, but Hartman. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. <laughs> David, yeah. Um, I, I uh, I want to come to the higher self and the expression of the higher self. I want to talk about that. Um, I listened to your um, to your music, the Divine Light, and uh, what I f what I feel was there's the harmony. Then the mind says, "Okay, the harmony must go like this," and then there's a then there's a break, and there's and the, there is so many surprises in the music. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's so like it's like uh, breaking all the patterns in the mind. It's unbelievable. 
Ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And, um, yeah. and um, interesting is, um, for example, also your last painting where you where the guy walks on the street and see the and see this light. Is it for you like um, like in a radio, for example, where you have a frequency band and you have expand the frequency band so that you can uh, so that you can switch in this in this reality or switch on this frequency whenever you want to? Um, I I find that I don't. I just once I feel an idea will just come to me, and I think right, I've got to develop that. Like that first piece of music that you heard, um, that came to me. Initially, I thought it was going to be. It was the first piece of music that I wrote for orchestra, based on my near-death experience. And um, I'd never done anything for orchestra before. I'm not trained to work with orchestras, and in fact, I can't read or write music note, yes you yeah can't read <laughs> so 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 that was great in a sense because i decided i was going to write a song about my near-death experience because i thought that's that's all i can do but that wasn't coming it wasn't happening and then suddenly this chord progression all i got was a little cheap old um synthesizer that i bought in spain and i was using that and, a, and an old cassette recorder and i just the, the only chords were written like that because i just heard them and, and i just started layering got the sounds uh Uh, via that little synthesizer and then um i thought this has got to be performed by an orchestra you know this has got to be this is an orchestral piece and and i there was a lot of synchronicity tended to happen after my near-death experience like a, one of them was i'd met a really good cellist and uh we became friends and we met for coffee and she said oh, what are you up to and i said look i'm working on this piece of music it feels like it should be played by an orchestra and she laughed and said maybe we could play it and i thought well that'd be good you know so My brother um, turned around and he helped me because he said, look, I've got this um, uh, piece of software that you can attach to. Once you get your laptop, which I did eventually, you can attach it to that and you can play it on the keyboard. Then it will transpose it into musical notation. And then I did that and printed it all off. And then the orchestra agreed to play it and perform it. So I, I even though I'd only written the first movement initially before the actual concert, I, the other two just followed suit really, really quite simply. But it's it, that's great description that you gave before because I'd never even thought about it because I didn't intellectualize it because I'd never done anything like this before. So everything that I was writing, I, I would I would say that I was channeling ideas through. So the ideas were coming through from from a different frequency, uh, but I didn't ever call upon them. You know, I didn't turn and say, "Oh, hey, I need your help now." You know, I just found that the help was coming. And I knew when it was coming because the ideas were suddenly like, "Wow, that's beautiful!" I can't, but that, and I, that's not me. I did not write those chords. That chord progression came from somewhere else. So, you know, it's it's a, it's an interesting process that I still use. You know, I still I'm still channeling and tuning into into them, and still it sounds very boastful, but it's not. But I, I will still sit back sometimes and I go, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, because I just know that it's not completely me that has just put this together. Do you have the feeling that after this NDE, you have much more presence in your life? That oh, you totally, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. So it's uh, it's 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 to me. I always describe my life now as being more three dimensional, and before it was two dimensional. And uh, so yeah, I'm much more. You know, you be. And it's other people I've spoken to who've had the NDEs will will say the same thing. You know, you just become you a lot more in touch with nature and the universe itself. Like I'm very much, very much a part. Of, feel that we're we are such a part of that universe because when I was in that 
in that other realm. I knew that I was actually eventually that I was in the universe itself. So yeah. We had um, I forgot his name, <laughs> a wonderful guest uh, a couple of weeks ago here. Um, yeah. It was from you, Jane, and he said um, concerning the ego, every time you argue to be right in your mind, this is ego talk. Yeah. And the problem is um, many times, for example, I know it by myself, I'm in the ego talk, and then I made um uh, uh let's say a system or they made a, a sentence so that it can can so that i calm down and then i can see all the colors also better yeah and yeah. for me i think it's in your case it's yeah franco de nicola, de nicola. yeah thank you so much <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> and um and uh I, uh in your case for example also in your paintings when uh when i see it uh for example especially also the the man who walks on the street does this touch me very much because it seems the reality the three dimensional reality and also directly the connection to the higher self yeah this yeah is well, brilliant to see oh that's great that's that's a lovely description again thank you that's brilliant yeah that, that i mean that was um i was I, I did that because I, I really wanted that was wanted that was a, like a self portrait of you if you like that was me that was in my previous life leading up to the accident as I'm walking through the streets of London broke <laughs> down on my luck and then I wanted to, that, to show like the whole world is just suddenly turning around into this turbulence and taking me drawing me into that tunnel of white light basically so it's just what was ahead of me that because I also feel that the whole thing was was kind of all all, all premeditated that it was it was meant to happen to me it didn't you know it was it was part of the plan if you like that that, that was about to happen so. it's interesting because as a spectator to the painting yeah uh, i don't see the past i see the present yeah okay because That's great. Yeah. you go through the long streets of london and have directly access for example directly access to this consciousness to this light and this yeah. is brilliant to see Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. great. And um, and uh, it, when you're, for example, um, uh, yeah, when you uh, you see you also painted your death experiment, uh, also with this hand, which was completely blood of flesh. It was uh, scary. That's right, yeah. yeah, it was a really scary picture. Um, <laughs> how, how did you? Um, yeah, I want to. Um, I want to again come to. How did you feel that you were out of the body? Did you did you have the feeling that you were out of the body, or um, is was this? Um, could you see yourself? Or yeah, I could see because it's. Uh, it was one of the first things I did uh, was to check my wounds because I'd seen how badly messed up it was, and uh, and I and everything was was back in place. There wasn't a single a single scratch or bruise. And I, was, I remember thinking, "Wow, this is um, my body's back, great, you know." And uh, but it, it's it's interesting because it it felt like it was me that was there. Uh, uh, going back to what we were talking about before about the egoic mind, uh, it wasn't me with the egoic mind. It was just me with the pure essence of my authentic self that was there, my pure soul. But it was still me. It was still myself, David, and almost talking to myself, going, "Right, okay, well, this is great. You know, my body looks good. I'm happy. I'm, you know." And so I, I was feeling all the emotions of um, of joy, basically. So I was still feeling emotions. So, so it was most certainly me. 
and it was most certainly in my body and it didn't look any different uh, other than that it was fixed <laughs> okay oh brilliant this is and um you you wrote a book i i must admit i didn't so i didn't read the book either but um that's okay yeah um what is what is the core of the book what uh, what do you want to tell our audience um yeah what is the core of the book what's what's dealing about well it's it's basically it's a, it's a it's a journey because it's not just about a, a near-death experience it's also about my my transformation basically the the, the story starts just before um the the accident so where uh, uh, i'm with my friend anna and i'm i'm sort of um struggling with the fact that she's a really the first beautiful soul that i've met for a long time and i was struggling with myself to to have a relationship with her because i just felt that i i i couldn't do it you know i was just i wasn't up to it and i was struggling with that and fighting with that and um and so after the actual accident and the NDE itself myself and Anna became really close uh, as you would do because we'd both been through something really intense so after only knowing each other for two weeks we suddenly became really in intense friends and uh, so it talks not only about our friendship but it talks about how I evolve as a person and how I you know yes I, I gain new abilities doing the paintings and then the music and but it's, it, it, it just talks about how it's within us all really to be able to do that to be able to find those inner gifts you know and um that's the message i want to get across and and the way we find that as a starting point is through the self-love so that's the main core of the book which is talking about the self-love and and me discovering it from being this guy who just thought he was a nothing and a nobody yeah do so, you think um for example in coach seminars many people or many good coaches say that we have to disconnect the out world from the in world yeah do you think as in the same way that for example that the in world for example i can have peace in myself doesn't matter what is outside yeah yeah totally that's that's where it's all at just uh, because that's where i was at in the actual in the other realm you know there was peace within myself like i say there was no sense of time i i was no longer i used to throughout the whole of my life i was i was i was concerned with the past and the future you know not the present i was always thinking oh man i messed up yesterday oh man i messed up a year ago i've done so many mistakes in my life and i carried all that with me like huge bags and not only that i was thinking what how, what where how am i going to pay the rents what's going to happen about my future so i would i can never stop and really be within the presence and be there within myself so so yeah i mean it's 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 most certainly all about sort of just um being you know within in within within the the higher consciousness you know within the inner body and and uh you know of course we have you know the outside world exists but once we can go through life and um, and try and fill that essence of of our inner authentic selves it makes life a lot easier yeah. and and uh, this is for example the summary for <laughs> my last question is, is kind of summary for example at the moment uh, concerning the lockdown and all that stuff many people i think many many people are in the same situation like you were mm. yeah. And uh, and uh, 
let's say it's it's a hidden poverty. It's not it's not some poverty which you can see directly, but the poverty mm -hmm. is hidden and they are very frustrating. And for example, in Germany, in Berlin, the the suicides have decreased by three hundred or four hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so do you have do you have a message for for the people outside who are right now really suffering and um, thinking how shall we shall we, how shall we go on? Yeah, um, well, um, basically, it's it's to try to stop letting the ego mind uh, put fear into you because. Like, it's like I was talking about myself, how I was before, and I was worried about you know what was going to happen yeah. next rather than being in the present. We, we were given a, a really good opportunity. I know that it's been a really tough time for us, and it's awful that you just told me those statistics, uh, the suicide rates. But um, we were actually also initially given a, a really op good opportunity to stop. You know, we None of us had to go to work anymore. None of us had to worry about getting up and making money. We, we, we were almost forced to stay at home and People initially were, you know, baking bread and sort of do, doing art and creating and teaching their kids, and it was wonderful. But then people started getting sort of scared and impatient and saying, "We need to get back to normal. We're, we're worried." We, we, you know, and and I was thinking, no, don't don't rush it because things will find their way, and they really will. So it's just a question of just having trust in that, you know, just try to have a bit of trust in it because. You know, fear eats the soul, basically, and that's and that's what has happened in, in a lot of cases because it's unnecessary fear. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. I passed. Thank you. Great, <laughs> great questions. Thank Thanks. Yeah. I guess. Thank you. A fantastic conversation. You have an awesome, unbelievable experience, David, and. See, I come from the Philippines and stories like this are common. Like, and it's like, uh, we can believe that. At the same time, I am also a nurse. So we hear stories similar to yours, except that yours is your post near death experience is, let's say, how to write this outstanding transformation of having that skill of fantastic paintings. Now, before I bring my question, let me just share what the audience said, one of them, okay? He says, hey, David, I have a question. Have you ever read Journey of Souls by Michael Newton? Are you familiar with that? If so, what's your take on it? Uh, no, I've not read that book. Um, I'm actually dyslexic, and so I struggle with reading, so it takes me a while to get through books. But uh, yeah, but I, but I definitely will um, check that out. So I'm afraid I, I can't answer that one. Yeah, with not reading it. That's still perfect. Perfect. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so from I remember that you mentioned in one of your interviews that you never even know that there are other people who have experienced near death. Is that is that my correct? when you realize it was a near death yeah yeah um there's an organization or there's a group of other people well what, what happened was yeah as when it first happened yeah i didn't i when i came around i just i knew nothing about near-death experiences because you know spirituality never came into my mind so or into my sphere and so yeah i actually thought 
I was the only person this had happened to. And that's why I, that's why I started painting, because I thought, I've got to tell the world about this. I'm going to do a huge painting. And that's where it all started from that point. Then, of course, when I came out of hospital, I started going online and, and trying to find research and finding some answers, well, some affirmation, really. And then I, that's where I, I read about Dr. Raymond Moody. And uh, so um, once I started doing my first painting, I, I then came across a spiritualist church in the small town where I was recovering. And uh, I went there and I, I just walked through their door one, one summer's day and uh, sat through one of their services, which was really beautiful. And then um, at the end, I just got chatting with them and told them what had happened. And they got it straight away. You know, they were saying, oh, yeah, you had a near-death experience, you know. And uh, they were saying, that's amazing. You know, you, you were very lucky. You were very gifted to have been through all that you know and they explained it all to me so I, I learned an awful lot through them yeah so among the people you have uh, talked with you know what what other commonalities do you all have uh, other than what I already heard about when you said um about not having that self-love or mm. not or feeling like you're almost down the rabbit hole or yeah. you know, it seems like after that, there's always like a transformation. Are there any more other things that are were common before and then after? Now, after, maybe not everyone painted because you're the only exceptional <laughs> one who hooks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. up Yeah, but, but, but I'm also string, uh, keen to stress that it, it's uh, really – it's not all about, you know, everybody comes back with the same thing and that is getting in touch with their higher consciousness and they all get in touch with their inner bodies, as I, as I, as I called it earlier. And so that everyone does that. So they find their calling afterwards, you know, they, they'll, you know, they'll become teachers. Uh, you know, many of them do become teachers and a lot of them become speakers, which they would never have done before. And so, you know, it's it was just in my case, I just think that that was my... That was my calling uh, for me to be, come back uh, creatively. Um, I think the other thing that I have, the, the people that I have come across that I've spoken to uh, have got very similar stories to mine as well because, you know, their lives before were complete contrast. You know, they were like sort of, they were, you know, living life in the fast lane. You know, they were just kind of really going for it. And, uh, and it's almost like they were, they were heading for disaster as well. And so... So, yeah, so there's a very much of a common ground with that where they, they come from that. But the, the main thing is that it stays with everybody. It becomes, you can't shake it off. It becomes, it stays very much a part of their lives. And it becomes, everybody looks, everybody comes back and says, what is my purpose? What, what am I going to do now? You know, and uh, what comes next? One of my energy teachers used to say, once you feel the energy, you can never turn back. You will always feel that. So, um, but th there's this response from Peter who asked that question about the book. He said, yeah. oh, okay, I understand. Thank you. I'd be interested to hear your take when you do get around to it. Anyway, really enjoying this talk. So he oh, appreciates oh, it. Oh, thank you for that, Peter. That's really kind of you to get back with a response. So, uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah I will and, look into it. I promise you. Yeah, definitely. And, and then... Um, um, Although it was fascinating to hear, you also said that 
you 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 I assume you never did meditation before, so you know, okay. And yet at that moment, you were present because yeah. you remembered what would James Bond do. Yes. <laughs> I do. So so I guess what it would it's nice to hear that so that for the listeners and the viewers, it just takes a second to be in the moment. And we don't need to have that fancy training and, you know, so not to be disappointed that because some people cannot handle meditation or they, they it is a challenge for them to have that meditation. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <yeah. laughs> and, and also, I know that we talk about the ego and just like um, I, I, I don't want to um, to demonize ego a lot because in that moment also when you think about yourself that is also what they're thinking about is leading us with our ego because that's even and then at that moment when you also said that i'm going to share this so the moment we did even use the i that's already part of that so ego for me plays a good role at certain point yeah just being attached to something now with your painting um you mentioned that there's a white light and your paintings are beautiful vibrant colors when you had that near-death experience did you see other colors than white oh yes that was it that's why they're all in there all those colors all those colors was everything that i saw and that's what i was really keen to get across um you know it, there, was, there was one point of the the experience that was really beautiful that i i was hoping to i was worried about my family because they were i thought they had all been distressed in the hospital i thought well I'm, I'm clearly dead now they're going to be very upset so i tried to look over the edge of this huge rock that i was laying on and i thought i'd see them in the hospital but I, I didn't actually see them at all but what i did see was this incredible waterfall of stars it was like a beautiful sort of large arc it was almost like of, of stars like the, the size of niagara but it was like millions of stars cascading over the edge and i thought wow and it was just awesome and i just like i just looked down and and i looked on, and i looked and in uh, all i could see was one galaxy going into another and then i could that's when i saw the colors the nebulas and everything that it, within that galaxy that galaxy sort of field was just like they were just spectacular and really beautiful um so yes yeah, so i really wanted to incorporate the, the, all the colors that i saw and all the all, all those powerful flames as well they were full of rich colors yeah. i think those are primary colors as well <laughs> you know yeah, like because yeah. like, when we do energy testing and it seems like all the primary colors just really test the energy tests really good like it protects our biofield when all those primary colors that's why behind me is a bright purple color. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 also uh, my question also uh, from among the group again of your conversations with them, is there anyone of you know who had a near death experience outside the hospital, outside any type of influence of a surgery? insta outside any type of medication um not personally that i that i've met no yeah i'm afraid not yeah 
Yeah. So, and it's not, I'm not being skeptical in terms of I, your experience, because I believe your experience. It just seems like a lot of my, what I, the stories I hear is when they are going through that influence of being on the table or having that whatever in the hands of the, you know, and, 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 and see it, and it's not bad, as I said, it's yeah. not bad. Sometimes that's just, as you mentioned, it was like our, our, and I will agree with Steve and Hartmut when he just said like, as if we made a contract somewhere before yeah. we there, that, yeah. okay, let me go through this. And then yes, yeah. sure. And there is one of whom I know, and if I heard him right, he passed away already, Dr. David Hawkins. When it happened to him, he was a young boy distributing newspaper in, I forgot what state, but it was so cold. It was a snowstorm, really bad. Mm, bad. Yeah. So he was riding his bike. He had to um, find a shelter. So he made, he dug a hole in that pile of snow so yeah. he can be there. And that's wow. when, and just, just like you said, David, um, that he said you were thinking of your your mother or you you think of your family, right? Yeah. He was also thinking, and it's he said he decided to come back not out of guilt, but he just couldn't afford that his father will yeah. be so sad. Yeah. You know, so he said so, but that it happened. He was he's the only one for now, and that he was the one after that who really made that. Um, yeah, that made you, that choice, transformation yeah. of the map of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting actually because yeah, when you talked about that uh, you, that feeling about you know worrying about his family and stuff like that, I it was the feeling I had about worry was totally different than it wasn't a feeling of guilt guilt at all. Uh, because interestingly enough, just before uh, the the end of the itself, when my family came in to see me, I remember my mother coming over to me, and she was like tears in her eyes, and I was I was saying to her, I was saying, "Mom, I'm so sorry. It's always me bringing the dramas to this family." So I, I was apologising for myself then, you know. She was going, "It's not your fault. Stop it," you know. So that's the kind of person I was. But in the in the end itself, when I started thinking about my family, I wasn't. I didn't have that same feeling of, oh my goodness, my family, they're going to be so upset now. There was when I didn't see them, I remember thinking, okay, well, I can't see them now, but you know, they'll they'll be fine. They're going to be coming up here soon. They're going to be ex experiencing all the joys here. So they'll be okay, you know. So it's 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 interesting how that changes. But but also, you know, it's all NDEs happen when some people are in the hospital and, and they, they clinically die, but not all people do. It, it's, it's, you're at a stage where you're on the cusp of, of almost dying as well. You know, it's, it's, you, are, it's, you are near death, basically. So I guess that's why so many people are in hospitals. And, and obviously, I've had questions put to me by when I've done interviews where people turn around and say, well, would you what about the question that it could be the medication may have induced this or made or brought this on and so when i wrote the book i decided to get i contacted my hospital and i wrote to the hospital and i paid to have all the the medical records sent through because a friend of mine she she lectures in nursing so i asked her to look through the medications that i would have been on to see if they were hallucinogenic or they would have been in any sense brought this on and 
there weren't any drugs at all that, that were in my system at that point of the actual NDE that would have made that happen. So that was great. I mean, it's not a needed confirmation, but I needed that just to sort of help me to explain, you know, my journey and, and my situation really. Yeah. And and this this one is for you to maybe search or connect with him. I know of uh, Dr. Jerry Duhenio, and he had that near-death experience. And same, again, you know, being above and you're seeing your body right in the hospital. And he, he had a super overdose of all different cocktails of drugs, okay? Yeah, but one significant thing that, that he found out is that during the test, they never found any trace of drugs that he took. Oh, wow. That's but he amazing. knew he did it. He knew he did it. That's he remarkable. was, he, you know, because all his yeah. life, that's what yeah. he did, you know, yeah. women yeah. party. And you know. so right now, it yeah. took him a while, as, yeah. as you are, you said it took you, what, six months and a few months, and then you're painting. So this yeah. one, he, now it's been downloading codes for infinite infinite consciousness for morphogenetic you know bioresonance and he is he now created a technology so he's and he just created bioregenesis university and because he has downloaded he went into a realm really and been slowly given that all yeah. that encoding so Fantastic. so i appreciate all your experience and those people because it seems like you're giving us more messages of what we can do here on earth as it is in heaven now if a child comes to you and asks you what is death david what would you say well that's that actually happened i was doing an interview and uh and uh, a young child the guy who was interviewing me he was in australia and his daughter walked in uh what just as at the point when i was telling my near-death experience and so it's really lovely because i suddenly found myself you know talking as if i was talking to a child and and stuff so but i, I hardly changed anything i didn't I, I suddenly thought i don't need to i don't you know to I me mean? i didn't have to alter it because there was a young five-year-old child there i thought everything that i said just fitted fine to tell a child and not only that i also believe that we we don't give children enough credit we think they're their mm. children and so we're always telling them don't do this or do that we're for their own goods you know because we feel that but you know they're they're actually great little people i mean i do you know one thing I've, I've never forgotten when i was throughout my time recovering in hospital um when they used to take me they used to pick me, the guy used to pick me up in a wheelchair and take me down to the uh, physiotherapy or to uh you know which is at the basement of the, the hospital and we used to have to pa pass through the uh, the children's cancer ward uh, every time we went through and i used to see these young poor little kids you know who were having chemotherapy and it was like the roles had reversed because they were sat in their wheelchairs with their parents. And the parents looked obviously completely drained, which they would do. But the children, I, was, I thought they had this kind of light coming out of them. And they looked really kind of at peace, you know, very peaceful. And they were like holding their parents' hands, almost like giving them love. And it was just, mm. so 
that stayed with me. And I always, so with children, I always give them a lot more sort of time than than I, I would have done before. So, so yes, I suppose, yeah. So I would hardly change it. I'd hardly change the story because it's it's all real and it's authentic. You know, there's nothing to change. Thank you so much. I'll pass it on to Jane. Great. Thank you. David, after this happened, uh, you had an incredible experience too where you met these healers and there must have been a lot of pain in your body at the time because you still needed to heal. Yeah. But I remember you saying that you actually levitated off the table. That's right, yeah. So do you think that was because you had like a, an upshift in vibration where you were of a higher vibration so that that happened easier and then did that slowly wear off or like just just describe that yeah um i i, I was um when i first started going for those healing sessions yeah i i felt like i'd still got a very strong connection to this other realm i felt like i've got an umbilical cord attached to it and the energy was still flowing through me for quite some time so when i was in those healing sessions uh that the healers used to turn around afterwards and they say, oh, it's, we're really enjoying healing you because you're like an open vessel. You're just absorbing all this energy. It's coming straight through. And so um, and I, it was only afterwards that they told me that I was levitating off the table. I thought I was, but I thought I'm not going to say that I was because I, they made, no one said anything. But it was only months later they told me that. They said, do you realize that you used to levitate off the table? I said, yeah, I remember. So... Um, so yes, yeah, so I guess I must have been still very highly tuned to to that higher vibration, and I guess that you know I needed an awful lot of healing at that point, and because I was I was totally amazing my consultants, you know I was going back in and out of hospital like three times a week to start off with, and that they would turn around saying, David, you're healing remarkably quick. We can't get over it. You know whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And then I started to tell them that I was having spiritual healing, and. Uh, they kind of like it was almost like the, the the wires started to fuse in their head they were going oh no, no. okay we don't need to know about that it <laughs> <laughs> can't be possible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what was it like to have that umbilical cord that feeling of being connected it felt amazing it just felt great and uh because it was just i just i, I was just waking every day uh just couldn't wait for every day every day was just fantastic you know and i i looked around the world like it was like i was going this is heaven on earth this is beautiful this is earth is such a beautiful place you know and i couldn't stop appreciating all of nature's beauty and i was totally fixated with watching documentaries on on astronauts going into space because I felt well. They've been in, uh, they've been out to the universe, and I felt I'd been out to, into the universe. I wanted to see what their take was on it, and that was great because, I mean, these are these are the, the scientists of all scientists who get this job to to sit in a rocket and fly to the moon, as these guys were, and many of them were turning around and coming out with some really spiritual stuff. The, the, what they felt when they're on the moon, stood looking back at the Earth and looking out at the universe itself, and so I felt very there was an awful lot in common with that, but. Many of them would also say that the same thing, that when they came back through the Earth's atmosphere and back into Earth, they said for the first few weeks or months, you just have that same sensation as myself, that the Earth is heaven, heavenly and beautiful and colourful, which it is. 
Right. And when you connect to that energy of love, you actually see the beauty in it. When you're not connected, you see everything as um, all the turmoil and the pain. But there's moments like where I felt that absolute connection and you can just see the beauty in every creation. Yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? Beautiful. <laughs> do, you do you have any of your paintings there that you could show the audience? I know last time you had one really close. Oh, uh, they're all, oh, sorry. I said, they're all. Hang like, on a sec. Yeah, I'll see if I can find one. I'll be back. Okay. And do any of you guys have any final questions while David's hunting for that, for looking for moving his painting? I want to I want to ask him whether this consciousness what what the consciousness of the expanding of the consciousness what the result is in his environment because uh, for example we all we all without death experiment we have expanding consciousness and let's say um, we are the black sheep <laughs> so uh, the situation is ah can you see okay, that there it is. <laughs> so beautiful. So that's you on the slab and then the people that, well, they're the spirits really, isn't it? That were around you, healing you. Or, and, oh, and, and there's the tunnel as well. Wow. They, uh, he can't hear you because he had put yeah. up his ears. We'll get him to describe it. So, David, describe that painting. Oh, his ear, his earphones. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Jane, I couldn't hear a single word of that. <laughs> I know. I really Hartman knew. But so, I thought I'd hold it up for a while so you could see it. So yeah. yeah so beautiful. What you so incredible. So just describe that painting and what was in it. Yeah, sure. Um, that was um, that was showing myself laid out on on the the big huge rock that I talked about, the slate rock, and uh, covered in the blue blanket and then uh, looking up and seeing uh, the androgynous being who was greeting me with the, with the black t-shirt and then beyond that is the the tunnel of, of white light itself with all the dramatic flames that were slowly yeah. circulating around but there's, there's a lovely story actually that I just wanted to tell you actually just talking about that it just came to me that um, I when I was, when I first came out of the hospital I started looking into NDEs online one thing I did find I I'd found this uh, image that a, a child had done so a, a very young child an infant who had an nde and uh it was amazing because it was just like it was like a very basic stick drawing you know sort of of a child laid out on on a table with stick people two women either side with their hands stick hands going out over her body and then right ahead of her was was another being just stood there that was the being of light almost like I saw and then behind that was like what looked like a sort of um, a cornetto ice cream cone sort of like flying through the sky and that was obviously the, the tunnel of white light and I remember I was recovering at my sister's at the time I just gave her a call and said Janet come and look at this and she she started crying she said my goodness that's just that's everything you've described it's everything that you're painting in your first painting and we just said that's, that's remarkable isn't it and it was that was the first moment of uh, lovely beautiful affirmation you know because uh, you know the honesty of the child's drawing was just so pure yeah just simpler <laughs> Yeah, well, as Picasso said, you know, he spent his whole life trying to trying to create like a child, you know. <laughs> right. I'm just going to open it up to any last questions, and then David, 
um, for sure, just explain how people can find your website and see your drawings and hear your music. Sure. I think Hartmut has a question. Yes, I have, I have a final question. Uh, because of the um, expanding of your consciousness, how has changed your environment? Did you only make... Um, did you only make good experience about that or did you also make bad experience about this, for example, with the death experience? Because if you have an expanded mind and that means that you have, let's say you have uh, overcome borders of fear where other people have a lot of fear. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to know how did your environment react to your, yeah, to your being right now? Because you, you have, you have overcome a border of fear, yeah. and they and they normally the people are limited to this, and they can't, they can't handle the situation what you have experienced. Yeah, and they can feel this. It's it's absolutely true because, um, like I said to you, uh, for the first six months, I was just feeling absolutely blissful and wonderful and happy about every single day, and then once I came out of hospital and I was well enough, um, the rail police wanted to do a legal inquiry. And so there was a court case, you know, lawyers involved. And so the harsh reality of that system, which is very, very severe, I wasn't used to it. Um, so I was being dissected and pulled apart and I just couldn't handle it because it was worlds apart from where I'd just been and I wasn't equipped to deal with that. So my environment at that point was in danger, if you like. I was in danger of getting being sucked back into feeling negative about myself and life but once the actual um thing was all over and it was all settled it was, it was amazing how my life just suddenly just kind of got back onto the highway you know and i was just like i found this apartment that i'm living in now which was like it was almost like it was meant for me because it's like beautiful sunlight coming through every day it's an old converted mill the energy is beautiful it means i can create here i can paint i can write and i'm inspired as well at the same time so it's like it was like a, i was attracting it you know i was, I was suddenly attracting that energy for, for, for positivity to come back in my life again i guess if that answers what you were asking me yes brilliant thank you great thank you so much no worries thanks Sukal, Steve, any questions? Uh, I was going to say, in terms of the universe having your back, I mean, do you live with a sense of faith? Do you live with a sense of, um, you're, are you always in the present moment? Um, you know, do you have a sense of synchronicity that things are going to work out? Or, you know, do you have that, do you have that, you know, is that something that kind of comes with, uh, you know, discovering your presence and your, your inner self, um, where you become less fearful and you just sort of trust. And, and I, I guess everything that you thought was important maybe isn't, but there's a sense if you allow the universe, it will have your back and support you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been faced with, I mean, for example, um, uh, only um, two years ago, uh, I had quite a big um, health scare. Um, it was, I, I was okay, but I, I, it was, it was from, it was post the accident. I got internal bleeding, and it, and it caused like this sort of like a, an internal rupture. But when they when they looked at it on the X ray, they 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 said this could be cancer, and, and if it is, it's quite big. So I was faced with that thing, you know, that this could be cancer. That's quite a big test for me, and 
I found it really, really, really helpful to know that I could deal with it and I could go, I could go within my stuff. I, I noticed that everybody around me was more frightened. You know, my loved ones and my friends were just terrified. They were petrified because just the, the, the thought of cancer is very scary to us all. But I was able to deal with it and process it and, and go through uh, with it um, quite, quite well, I, I would say, you know, all, all considering. And um, so a, a lot of it is to do with because it's not just to do with having self-love and, and from having the ND. It's because I've, I've learned to sort of, you know, teach myself to sort of try and get grounded and teach myself to meditate and to go within and, and, and not not to allow allow sort of um stop be worrying about creating um images of what might happen you know what could happen oh my goodness am i going to have chemotherapy i didn't think about all those things i didn't allow it to enter into my thoughts i just allowed myself to be in the moment and think well that's this has happened but i'm okay i'm i'm sat on my sofa now i'm not in any pain i'm okay i'm still enjoying my life i'm still able to write music in fact i started writing lots of music at that point and that really helped me as well and um so that that something great came out of that so so it's quite interesting that's great that's great okay i'm done thank you very much thank you Stay for that or, great or question or Mr. Cheers. <laughs> um I, I i suppose um i have a question in the back of my mind david is i had originally said i'd asked you <clears throat> excuse me if this was a gift uh, and and obviously it is and then i started to think is this divine intervention? And then I started to think, were there signs before this uh, horrendous event in physical terms? Would there have been, if it was a sort of divine intervention, would there have been warning signs, let's say things that may happen to you that were less um, intense or dramatic? And then I was sort of thinking, but then it wouldn't have been the experience that it was, which seems to be perfect in itself. So mm. maybe you could just comment on that. Whether yeah, yeah the, it's funny. There, there were a couple of little signs that uh, that sort of that were pointing me to the fact that this was about to happen. An odd experience happened. This was only a, a couple of months prior. I'd, I'd been going to visit my sister up in the town where they lived and I was on the train and I bumped into a, a, an elderly couple and they were started chatting to me. They didn't, they wanted to know where the next station was and stuff. You know? And this lady said, Oh, we're going to see a, a medium tonight. She's great. You should come along. And I was going, yeah, yeah, thanks. And I, I, to be honest with you, I wasn't interested in, you know, sometimes you don't want to engage in a conversation when you're on a train. And I was like that, but she was quite insistent and I said, here, take this flyer. And I said, thanks very much. And uh, I arrived at my sister's, and there was so much chaos going on there with with her kids at the time that I said, "Look, I'm just going to go and have a drink." And and I went out for a drink, and I pulled this flyer out, and I thought, "I'm going to go." So I, I went to this mediumship, even though it was nothing at all that had appealed to me. And when I went, it was great because she was brilliant. This medium, she was going through everybody, you know, and picking out and coming out with some great messages. Everyone was looking for a you know, connection with their loved ones. So I wasn't looking for any connection whatsoever. So I sat there viewing all this, and then she suddenly turned around to me, and she said, gentleman in the blue sweater over there, she said, your life's about to change. I was going, oh, right. You know, so all I could think was great, the, the lottery, you know, or the, the, the girl <laughs> I was after, all those different things, you know. And uh, I said, how's it going to change? 
and she stopped and she was like talking to them she was communicating she was going yeah 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 yeah, okay you know and then she turned around to me she said they're not telling me but they're telling they're just saying be ready for it it's going to be big and just be ready for it so that was like that's that's what drew me to go back to that spiritualist church i thought i've got to track this woman down because that was amazing and uh so yeah so there were funny little signs like that but actually on the day just as i was leaving the house to go i felt the atmosphere i've never forgotten the, the sensation that there was something different about that day and and i and i couldn't put my finger on it you know i didn't know what was going on so yeah yeah that's that's uh, really interesting i was expecting you to say something more subtle uh you know subtle signs but they that seems to be rather uh in your face uh um, <laughs> <laughs> in a way I, mean, I didn't mean it that, that, that no 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 that's I good they're telling me it's more um, interesting isn't it <laughs> um, but it was you know yeah that's quite a story yeah thanks uh, i have to think about that a bit yeah um, thanks yeah, very that's much in, that's in the book so that's that's in the beginning of the book because she's, she's okay got to be okay. in there yeah the medium that's that's fantastic you know fantastic thanks yeah. very much great You're story welcome. thanks so David, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for your amazing questions that made this conversation over the top beautiful. <laughs> and to our viewers, thank you for listening to this incredible story. David, how do people find you? Yeah, well, I guess the best place is to start is with my website, which is uh, shineonthestory.com. So if you go there, you can find that. And if you want to follow me on social media, you'll find the links to there, like Instagram and my YouTube channel as well. So please do come and have a look. And if you want to contact me, you can you know get in touch through those various platforms, I'm sure, yeah, if you'd like to. But thank you for listening, anyone, for everyone who came along. I really appreciate it. And the book is on your website? You? Oh, yeah, yeah, the book is, yeah, well, the book is, but it's it's available through Amazon. You'll be able to get it. You know, it's 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 selling, it's doing really well and uh, throughout the world. And, uh, in fact, uh, Singapore is, uh, we're getting lots of uh, nice five-star reviews there. So thank you, Singapore. <laughs> That's really, it's a really lovely surprise. Yeah, really and so, yeah, so it's, so it's doing well. USA, Canada, uh, Australia, and so, and it's coming out in, in uh, in French as well. So uh, we just, uh, Hachette, who are like a big publisher in France, have just signed up the rights to it. So that's going to be the next part of the story. So that should be really interesting. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I feel that your story is just so perfect for this time and that we all need to go with it inside and do exactly what you're, you're saying. And it's just so inspirational to all of us. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks everyone. David. Real pleasure. Thank you. Real pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Good David. to meet you all. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. <laughs>